Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Well, good day there. Welcome to the church uh, this morning. We're doing purely online again due to the various restrictions in place. We're hoping that uh, by next week that'll all be history again and we can get into the year full steam ahead uh, with in-person gatherings as we were enjoying before Christmas. I guess it's been a great break for the worship team and such to uh, get their breath again, but uh, we'll be putting them to the test soon enough. Don't worry about that. And so uh, it really does make you appreciate, I guess, the um, uh, just the blessing that we've had in Queensland of having a pretty good run, really, of COVID. And uh, just having these little bits of disruption, as frustrating as it is for myself and the team trying to get our rhythm together for church life, it really shows us uh, we are living in a blessed nation and a blessed state of Queensland to, uh, to be able to do what we do and even to have this sort of technology to carry on. But I hope you've enjoyed a bit more of a break and uh, that you haven't taken a holiday from God through this whole time. And uh, please, I just pray that today, this message particularly, which aims really at the heart of where we are at and how that clashes sometimes with the view uh, as seen in Scripture, the kingdom view of life, that you'll be able to take stock and just use this particular moment in life. It's still January, it's still summer, it's still holiday time. Take this moment to pause and reassess again the way you see life, the way you handle disruption and plans changing and life falling apart uh, as it does in some way at some time. Over the last few months and uh, indeed over the last years, but particularly over the last few months, as I've uh, interacted with people mostly beyond our church that have had the statements that I want to talk into today, we can see this uh, frustration that comes from God's people who are well-meaning, but looking at life from a certain context, which begins to build in us because of the, the trajectory of our modern world, the expectancy of our modern life. When things disrupt, as they have been disrupted over the last 12 months, it brings stuff up in us that is very hard for us to uh, explain and figure out what's God doing in my life, what's happened to my destiny, what's happened to the purpose that I long to fulfill. And some of these statements are, are something like this. I wanted to give more time in my life to ministry, but my family needs me right now. Or my life has not gone to plan. There are broken relationships. There are lost opportunities everywhere. I've missed my opportunity to do something special, to be someone special. And it's like my life has been put on hold. This sort of echo that comes through. And, and these are good people. These aren't people who are immature. These are people who want to serve God and fulfill what he has for their life. And you can almost taste the disappointment. You can taste the frustration. It's so tangible to them. They feel like a cat in a cage that just can't get out. And they're wondering, has God put me in this cage? Has, uh, how does this work in with my destiny and so on? And so what I want to do is, is look at how this worldview that we carry, which largely is inherited from our culture, and how that begins to clash with the biblical worldview. And I want to use one of my favorite passages from Hebrews 11, 35 to 40, and it says this. It talks about those heroes of faith that we uh, all admire and read about so much. It says they wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us could they be made perfect. Incredible phrase there. It says, none of them received what was promised. How can that be? How can God make a promise and say your life is part of that, and yet our life not see the promise fulfilled? Or could we be looking at life through a Western lens, 
that defines things that are eternal in terms of that which is temporal. And we can see that the people who viewed life the way the scripture describes them, these legends of faith, scripture defines their life as admirable. They never received what was promised and yet this was a badge of honor for them, that they never received it and yet they lived completely for it. They lived their life on a trajectory of promise, not so much a fulfillment of some endpoint that humanity wanted to define. And so delay and disruption messes with those of us in our world now where disruption halts our progress. But to them, it was seen very differently. And uh, I've been reading a book recently, um, and the source of this came from an academic who's not recent, not long uh, passed away, um, James P. Cast, and it's been picked up by a modern writer called Simon Sinek, who some of you may have seen. And they write about this clash between finite games and infinite games in their terminology. And the point is, if you try and play an infinite game, and we'll define those in a moment, you try and play an infinite game through finite rules you're going to get very uh, frustrated. You're going to find disruption as a blockage. You're going to struggle to understand the meaning of life when these sorts of things come upon you. So let me describe our finite games, the finite games that we play. And keep in mind, the Western mindset is a finite mindset, our secular world. We're goal-oriented. Life success is seen in terms of time versus versus some tangible success factor like money or, or reputation or whatever. And we've got to go along to the right and up, and that's the way we measure success in life. And so these are finite games, these are finite rules. And we can see that with a finite game, there's always a beginning, there's a midpoint, and there's an end point, it finishes somewhere. And there are players and there are rules, and the players are always known, and the rules are always fixed, and the end point is clear. And what that means is, if we play to life as if it's a finite game, then we are trying to be a winner, which requires someone else to what? Be a loser, right? This is a finite game. So you can see it in sport, for example, which is a classic finite game. The whistle blows, there's a, there's a midpoint, there's an end point. Whoever has the most points wins. And I must win, but that requires someone else to lose. And there's a time frame involved in that. And when we think like that, then the, then the ends in some way, the price that we pay justifies the means. And so we're willing to accept a degree of collateral damage. We're willing to bend things a little bit in order to win the game because the goal is to win the game. It's a finite game. But we are involved in so many things in life that are infinite games. In the infinite game, uh, there, are, there are no finish point. The time is always beyond the horizon. The, there, it just keeps on going further and further. There's no finish. There's only that which is before and that which is behind us. The players in the infinite game come and go. And so when we read Hebrews 11, we're looking at a snapshot of someone defining and describing the infinite game. The players come and go. Here are some of the players of the past. And yet, if you look at the terminology, they're saying those players play it in my game. And my game is making their game valuable. I'm building on what they've built and I'm handing this over to someone else again. So there's no obvious winners and losers. There's just players in the game. There's just a present existence and an accumulated experience. And this becomes the closest we can define to a win in the infinite game. It's accumulated wisdom and experience. So there's lots of infinite games going on. You could say life is an infinite game. You can't win life. You can't say my life has just turned out better than everybody else's. You can't even win in business. Although when you're in business, as I remember well, we were playing to win, but we were defining that win by I beat them in market sales this year, or I, I bet I beat my competitor or whatever it was. But you can't actually win business because business just keeps on going. It just 
it never ends. You might, you might win sales for that year, but then another year keeps rolling around. And so we find that living as a Christian is the ultimate infinite game. It, there is no defining the goal because it just goes on forever. And even the Apostle Paul, when we see his language in Philippians, where he talks about, I run the race to, to gain the prize. He precedes that with other language that, that shows this context that I'm talking about because he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he says, I haven't got it. I, I, I haven't, and I probably never will, but I, I'm straining ahead. And he said, I'm always moving towards because he, he saw that this was an eternal prize. It's a prize that keeps on winning because the winning is what we're doing and being in any moment in time, but I'm always able to continue doing that. So playing this infinite game by finite rules, which we would normally default to, causes us to struggle. And so you'll often see someone say, for example, that men who are predominantly goal-oriented, and that's what this descriptor is really all about, men struggle with church, was often the claim. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that men struggle with church. I just think goal-oriented people struggle with an eternal game. Because where's the win here? What are we doing here? Um, how, do, how, do I, how do I play this game and somehow come out with it with a result? Because many of us, and I'll put myself in this category, if we don't finish a day with some tangible win, with something achieved and something done, we start to get a bit messed up inside. We just need to rule off, even if it's just mowing the lawn or sending an email or doing something, as long as I've achieved something. And so we grapple in that context and how do I exist in this eternal game? And church and the kingdom is really part of that infinite eternal game. So the art is to know uh, how to play an infinite game uh, with a finite mind, which is essentially what we've got. Why is it important to do that? Because if, if I'm playing solely finite games, but I'm stuck in an infinite game, I'm going to find myself questioning life. I'm going to find myself hopeless. I'm going to find myself frustrated because the games that I'm used to playing just don't work out for me anymore. And I'm convinced that much of our generational anxiety, much of our depression is because we're trying to play an infinite game without knowing that it is such. All we know is finite rules. All we know is finite wins, uh, likes on social media or the, the, the thrill of, of winning something in life. And so uh, the other thing is that disruption will be seen as a blockage to my purpose. And so I need to grapple with the idea that I'm actually playing a an infinite game here because disruption will be getting in the way of what I want to achieve. And so um, we'll find that things that we can't control, like sickness or, or relational breakdowns and all these sorts of things, we'll see them as taking away our meaning for life. We'll, we'll find ourselves in that depressive state. We'll find ourselves lost without an anchor because we're relying on finite wins to define our life. And so this becomes a whole way of thinking that's overlaid on our life. And um, you can see that in Scripture, if you, they, they treat things a little bit differently because they're infinite-minded and so they look at disruption as if um, it's a manageable thing. It may not be pleasant, but it's manageable. I can, I can change what I'm doing here because the win isn't to win at the expense of everyone else. My life is defined in the win by saying, what's been around me? How have I taken all the parts that are available to me in my present-day life and I've used them to the advantage for the ultimate game, the eternal game, and how I play that game. And so you could see, because so much back in the biblical days was not like we have it now. They, they didn't have health care and, and social security, all those sorts of things. The average lifespan was, was around 30, maybe 35. And so life could be taken from them at any moment. So they had to be able to win every day, but they were winning at the eternal game. And so they could look at brokenness, disruption, all those sorts of things and say, I can still win today by making the most of what life presents me. 
So it's a very different way of looking. But the reality is we, are, we see ourselves and life by default as a finite game. Even as Christians, we see life as a finite game because we preach that through the 70s and 80s. We, we, we talked very much about uh, destiny. We talked about your calling. We talked about um, the fact that when we die, we all start again. And it actually presents with a, an infinite game that we're in in a finite way because we're saying, well, this whole game, it doesn't really matter what I do now. I may as well eat, drink and be merry because when I die, as long as I've placed my faith in Christ, we just start again. It's not actually the case. You are in an infinite game right now. You are an eternal soul right now. The things that you do right now matter for eternity and much of what we do for God will carry on through eternity. Your calling will never end. Who he's designed you to be will be redeemed. It will be perfected. But essentially the same you redeemed and living with Christ will go on for eternity because it's just going to keep going on. It's going to go on beyond heaven because the new heaven, the new earth comes down again and we start it all again here. So we get to take all that accumulated history, all that accumulated knowledge, all that God's done in your life remains. The memories remain and you take that on and we build a new society, a new life and a new world. I cannot wait to get to the new heaven and the new earth. And so we remain by default goal oriented. And uh, so we just love getting things done. So what we must choose now in this life is to say, even though I'm finite minded, I'm playing an infinite game. And so we choose projects and assignments uh, that give us the ability to have somewhat of a win, but we do things that last for eternity. And you can do that in your workplace. You can do that with your family, of course. You can do that with all sorts of areas, no matter where you are. Even though everyone else around you is playing a finite game, you can play the infinite game. I found myself even last night, I was in a setting and I was sitting next to the head of operations of the M1 freeway, uh, the Gold Coast to Brisbane freeway there, that, that terrible thing that blocks and there's so many accidents on. And this guy was in charge of running all of that. And he was talking to me about how um, he gets to control if there's an accident or a blockage. He, he's the one guiding all the people and the programs and he writes the software and he, he manages all these many, many teams. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. He said, how did you get into that? He's, and I said, well, I just, I love people and I wanted to contribute more to the well-being of people. And he said, that's what I wanted to do as well. And so now I, I do life differently. And he was in his 50s as I am. And he said, now I, I don't invest in getting things done now. Now I invest in people, their well-being and, and their training and their equipping so that they can have a win in life as well. I, and I care for their souls. And so in that way, I've become a pastor too. And this guy was an unbeliever. But he saw the value of life. He, was, he began to see in his 50s the value of an infinite game. And even though he didn't understand that it goes on beyond death, he began to see that, yes, yeah, this is actually something that relates well to the church world as well. It was a fascinating conversation. So you're in an infinite game. What are the rules to the infinite game? Are there any rules? Well, there are a few, um, but, and it helps for us to know them. And I'll, just, I'll put a couple of them out there today, and then you can uh, maybe mull on this and figure out there might be some more that apply to you. The first one I find is rule number one is always head north. Always head in the direction of the kingdom. When I say north, I'm meaning um, we're heading towards the values that Scripture espouses as that is worth attaining. So the kingdom, shalom. We're, we're advancing um, the world to look more and more like God's design. As it is in heaven, Lord, let it be on earth. And we're always pushing back the flame front of what that can look like. So our involvement on earth 
means that the people I interact with, the organizations that I contribute to, the programs that I write, that they are contributing and advancing the gospel in that way. Matthew eleven twelve says that the kingdom of God continues to advance forcefully. So people are putting energy into advancing this flame front of the kingdom. So we're pushing back chaos, we're pushing back uh, brokenness, and we're bringing forward the kingdom in that way. And so to north is defined, essentially, it starts in Genesis 1.28, which says they're in the Garden of Eden. And God says, now go and multiply this. Go and multiply yourselves. Go and make out there look like here. And so that was the original mandate to do this. Advance life, advance the value of humanity, advance society. And you can do that no matter what you're setting. You can do it in your workplace with your relationships and so on. Essentially, it's bringing shalom, what God describes as shalom. It's peace with ourself, peace with our world, um, peace uh, with the cosmos. It's as it should be. And we can all do that. Now, if your life is heading south, you can really look at that and go, well, I can make a decision. And now is a great time of year to do that. Say, well, I can make a decision right now to start turning north. I'm heading south. My life has been heading south. I'm, I'm being living for myself. I've redefined destiny as being my destiny. But I can choose now to turn. I can turn away from that because it's never too late. Because it's not a finite game. And all the stuff that's happened in your past can actually be brought into God redeeming that and using it for the, for the infinite game. So you can choose now to turn north. And so this brings us to the second rule. And I've only got two. And that is, while we're heading north... My goal is not to win for myself. My goal is to pass the ball. Everything I do is with this in mind, that I pass the ball. We're all heading north. There are different players will come and go. So my role is to ensure we continue to pass the ball. And the ball, if I could define it this way, is the accumulated wisdom of life and a revelation of God. It's the accumulation of all that we know, all that we've learnt, all that we are, all that we've contributed into the generations rising up below us. And it's also our revelation and understanding of God. I love Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. They're saying there that there's a handing over here, that the, the Lord reveals stuff to it, and then we have that, but we must pass that on because it belongs to us and those following after us. In Simon Sinek's book, The, uh, the Infinite Game, he says this, the true measure of what could be your life or a church, a nonprofit, or even a business is measured by the desire others have to contribute to that uh, organization or person's ability to keep succeeding, not just during their own lifetime, but well beyond their own tenure. And so our mindset in all of life means I'm passing the ball. It's not about what's best for me. It's what's best for us. How do I take all that I have and all that I've got and all that I can do and I release that into the lives of other people? That's the very meaning of our church. That's one of our uh, MOs here is scalability, multiplication. How do we give away all that we've got to people in our church and those beyond? In the scripture we started with, Hebrews 11.40, it says, Only together with us could they be made perfect. And what that's saying is only, only uh, with us can the generations before find meaning in what they accomplished. And the same now applies to us. Only by handing over all that we've done and all that we are to the generations that are, that are following can this make what we are and what we've done perfect. Very interesting mindset. It's an infinite game. And so what that means is your accumulated lessons belong to those who are following. 
So you may have found, you may be listening to this and saying, well, look, my life has not really meant much of anything at all just yet. And you can change that in many ways. And you can change it by taking the life that you've already lived, whether it's full of brokenness and pain and dysfunction or not, and taking that and saying, what's the accumulated wisdom I've had from that? Because you may define your life, if you've defined it by finite rules, you may have defined it as a failure. You may look at your life and say, look, I've, I've got a failed business. I've got failed relationships. My Look at my life. I've, I've given it my best 20 years of adult life and it's just fallen to pieces. You may see life that way. You may have lost your marriage. You may have lost your family. You may have lost the whole lot. And yet there is so much to learn from that. Who has that experience made you to be? What has that done to you? That belongs to us. All that you are, we can learn from that. All that brokenness, all the things that have gone wrong. I'm going to learn much more from you from what's gone wrong in your life than what's gone right. Uh, I need to read the book of your life because it enriches me and it enriches those who follow on. See, a win for me and a win for you and a win for all of us is not that we've had brokenness and my testimony is that it's all gotten better, that somehow I turned life around and I figured out a way that I won in the end. That's not the win. The win is not that it's all restored or that you beat everyone else at life. The win is that we all learnt that you became someone different. You became someone bigger out of all of that. And because of who you are, we are all bigger as well, because now you're contributing to who we are. You can turn north. Your life may have turned south. Turn north at any moment, and you can do that. You know, I've come to believe that if you want to know what your destiny is, and we often ask this as a, as a what's the meaning of my life? If you want to look at what your destiny is, what God wants to do in you, have a look at what Satan's tried to take away from you. Have a look at what he's tried to rob you of. Your family, your relationships, your parents, your successes, your skills. Maybe there's been injustice. Maybe things have been taken away from you. Have a look at that. Because God's destiny is to redeem that. To take all that you've learned from that and say, I want to multiply that, not only into you, but in the generations that follow. I love Genesis 3.15. It talks straight after the fall and God's promising. He's talking to Eve and he said, you know that snake that bit your heel? Your offspring's going to stamp his head, that same heel on his head. He takes that which was meant for evil and somehow he resumes it and redeems it. And he says, I'm going to mean it for good. The very purpose that was meant against you, I'm going to use against him. It's an incredible power that God has to redeem any situation. I've found that in my own life too, passing the ball, uh, it's my own rule of life. Uh, I have this saying that I picked up from a, an associate I know, Craig Grishel, who said the same thing to me. He said, look, the more you get to know me, the less you're going to be impressed. And that's certainly true in my life. And yet the brokenness and all the things that I've learned through my life, I figured pretty early on in my working career, I think the best thing I can do is not keep pursuing worldly goals, but to do what I can to give this away. And so I've had the chance, and it's an incredible privilege um, to take whatever it is that I've learned and over the last uh, five years now written four new books just and not for any personal gain because I can assure you there's no personal gain from writing and trying to sell a book or two. Um, the gain is the accumulated wisdom. It's the ability to take that which has been learned and fast track the learning of others so their life can move on quicker and more profoundly. That's a real blessing to be able to do that. And we can all do that in our own way. I just want to read for you as we finish up uh, a poem at the beginning of Simon Sinek's book on the infinite game that really just articulates this. And as I read this, and it'll come up on screen, perhaps you can reflect. It says this, A signpost stands at a fork in the road. Pointing one direction, the sign says victory. Pointing in another direction, the sign says fulfillment. 
We must pick a direction. Which one will we choose? If we choose the path of victory, the goal is to win. We will experience the thrill of competition as we rush toward the finish line. Crowds gather to cheer for us, and then it's over, and everyone goes home. Hopefully we can do it again. If we choose a path to fulfilment, the journey will be long. There'll be times in which we must watch our step. There will be times we can stop to enjoy the view. We keep going. We keep going. Crowds gather to join us on the journey. And when our lives are over, those who joined us on the path to fulfilment will keep going without us and inspire others to join them too. So my question to you and to myself is what game am I playing? How do you see life right now? And especially in this moment, as I've mentioned, this time of 2021 where the disruptions continue to some extent, we know that will end at some point, but let's gain the lessons from this time because we may not see an opportunity to have a circuit breaker in this madness that is our life and our culture, where we can stop and say, I'm refusing to play the finite game. It's an infinite game. Let me pray for you now. Father, I pray for each one listening and watching today. I just pray that uh, they would take this moment, this pause that's been put upon us, and they'll use it to your advantage, that they'll spend today just thinking about what game they're playing in life. Is it the eternal game? Is it the infinite game? And I just pray that you give each, each of us, as we spend today mulling over that, the ability to head north where we are presently turning south, that we turn our lives around, that we'd play a different game, that we'd pass the ball onto someone else. So Father, I just pray today you reset our compasses in that way. Reveal yourself, reveal your purposes in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining me today. Look forward to seeing you hopefully in person again next week. Bye now.